Thanks for joining us here at New Song Church, where we are helping people to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. If you have any questions at all or just want to learn more about us as a church, you can check us out online at mynsc.org. It's the best way to stay connected with us throughout your week. And now, check out this week's sermon. All right. Uh, are you ready to study the Word of God, yes or no? We're starting a brand new series uh, today called Truth Not Trends, and it's going to be a series that, that is, is one of those series that you're going to have to put your thinking caps on for this one, all right? So th- there, are some, there are some messages and sermons where you might, we talk about love or we talk about hope, and, and it's kind of, you know, like, well, that makes sense, and yeah, I need that. But there are other topics that we talked about that are a little bit deeper, that are a little bit uh, uh, not necessarily as emotional as other topics, you could say. So, so when I preach about depression or when I preach about joy, a lot of times people's emotions get involved in that. And this is one of those sermon series that is actually uh, maybe not necessarily an emotional type of topic, but it is a life-changing topic because if you don't understand the principles that we are, are teaching and what I will be teaching in, in this series, you're missing out on what God has for you. In fact, you're missing out on what I would really cons- consider to be your best life. And um, I, I want to say this, that, that, um, that there is currently an all-out assault on truth in today's culture. There is an all-out assault in this nation and literally around the world concerning truth. I, I heard one pastor was Dr. Tony Evans who said, he said, we are facing the death of truth as culture knows it. Now truth can never die. Truth never changes. He wasn't saying that. That wasn't his, his heart. His heart was, we are watching truth die in our nation. We are watching a culture try their very best to put truth to death. And yet, truth will stand forever. The word of God is unchangeable. It is eternal. It is everlasting. It lasts from generation to generation, and it is unmoving, everybody. The word of God, literally the Bible says, the word of God stands Forever. So as much as they try to assault truth and, and to kill truth, truth is unkillable, if that makes sense. You can't kill it. You can't destroy it. It will stand. I promise you that. And the question I have for you is, are you going to get on board with truth? Are you going to embrace truth? Or are you going to embrace what the culture would teach you about their version of truth, which is not truth at all? It is a lie. It is a lie. And I want to confront that in this, in this series and it's going to be a series that will lead us into Palm Sunday. So we're going to have several weeks in this series. There's no way in the world that I could cover this topic in, in one sermon or even in two or three weeks. So it's going to be multiple weeks. And every week, you're going to, I'm going to ask you to put your thinking cap on and just join us and just be changed by the word of God and the truth of God's word. I, I want to say this too, that as I teach this series over the next few weeks, one of the, one of the things that you do when you study the Bible is that, that you not only study it for yourself and you dive into it yourself, but oftentimes, as God just reveals his word to you, you want to make sure that you're on track. You want to make sure that you have an accurate view of what's happening, that you're, that you're biblically sound, doctrinally sound. And one of the things that maybe, in fact, any of you that have ever studied uh, uh, for a small group or for a Sunday school class as a teacher, and you do your, your studies, 
And then oftentimes you'll go to other commentaries, you'll go to other people who have spoken about that or written about that, or, or you take it, you know, you go to your, your favorite preachers and you listen to them and what they have to say about that. And I want you to know, even as pastors, it's no different. We go to multiple resources, we, 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 we listen to other people, we read other people's materials. It's not just studies that we do just on our own, although that's the, that's the, the, the way I always start. It's just my own study, my own thoughts. But I'm always weighing that out with other, with other people because everybody, there, there's, there's wisdom in the counsel of many. That's what the Bible says, and it's wise for us to do that. So over the next few weeks, let me just say this. Over the next few weeks, there are going to be multiple times that I, I might bring resources from, from guys like Dr. Tony Evans or from Josh McDowell or from Lee Strobel or from just, just great men and women of God that have taught on this subject. And I just want to say off the bat, if, if, if there are some things that, that I say and you say, you know, I think I've heard that from somewhere before, you're probably right. You probably have. And so I, I wanted to say that up front, that, that there are so many resources that, I, that I'm using, so many other people that I'm using that I, I want to give credit where credit is due. And at the same point, I have been studying this topic for so many years that there's so much information I have that I don't remember if I wrote it or if I got it from somewhere else. I don't know. But it's all great stuff, okay? It's all great stuff. And I just wanted, I just wanted to tell you that, that um, uh, th- this comes from many, many, many years of study. And it also comes from, obviously, a lot of research that other men and women have studied as well. And I think it's wise for us to go through it and really literally be changed by the truth uh, of God and his word. And uh, remember that we are confronting an all-out assault on truth in today's culture. In fact, the, the, the assault that is happening in today's culture is bigger than ever. I, but, but it started in Genesis. It started in creation. And I'm going to show you that in Genesis chapter 3, that it has been a battle ever since the only people on the earth were Adam and Eve. Like it's been a battle since then. And I want to read out of Genesis chapter 3, verse 1 through 4. Now the serpent, the devil, was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord had made. Of course, he came in the form of a serpent. He said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat from the tree that is in the middle of the garden. And you must not touch it, or you will die. And the serpent said to the woman, God's telling a lie. You won't surely die. There's no, there's no truth in that. Like, what, what, why are you believing that? There's no, there's no truth in that. Everybody, ever since Genesis chapter 3, there has been an assault on truth. Ever since Genesis chapter 3. Let me show you what that looks like in today's culture. So this is according to Barna uh, Research Group, that a majority of American adults express concerns that the nation's moral condition is out of place. Like there is a, a trouble, there is a conflict, there's, there's a problem with today's moral condition in our nation. You know how many people? Over 8 out of 10. Over 80% say, uh, agree, like eight out of 10 people say, yep, something's wrong in our nation. So if you go across Plymouth today and say, hey, is, is something wrong with the moral condition of our, of our nation? Eight out of 10 at least would say, 
Absolutely. I fully agree with that. Something isn't right. Something isn't right. But let's, let's read on then. According to the same research, that the majority of American adults, and this is 57%, knowing what is right or wrong is a matter of personal experience. 57% says, well, to know right or wrong, that's just up to you. So on the one hand, they're saying, hey, there's an issue. In fact, most people would say there's an issue in our nation concerning morality. Another very large portion says, but as far as morality is concerned, you can make it up. As far as truth is concerned, you can just do whatever you want to do. It, it just is according to your experience. So now, now concerning millennials, I want you to catch this because, as I said, the assault on truth is bigger than ever. According to millennials, 74% of millennials say this, whatever is right for your life or works best for you is the only truth you can know. 74%. Moms and dads, grandmas and grandpas, we have a job to do to teach our children that they cannot create truth. That truth is already established. That they can either embrace it or deny it, but you cannot create it. And we are living in a generation where most, the, the younger generation feels that truth is whatever you want it to be. That should get your attention. And for the older generation, that may be sitting here in this room, you're like, I don't really know if I, you know... Fully understand why, why would they do that? It's because we've been trained a little bit differently. Older generations, we, we always felt that truth was discovered. That truth was discovered. Meaning, if, if there was a pastor, if there was a pastor who was, and I say that for, for a reason, just to, to show you, somebody who's fully devoted to the word of God. And yet, it, it's just known by all that that pastor is having an affair you, you would not ever, as an older generation, we would not look at that pastor and say, well, he's just living according to his own truth. We would actually say he's not living out the truth. We would not look at the word of God and say, well, the word of God must not be true because he's doing that. We would say, no, he's actually just not living according to the word of God. He's not living out the truth. Now, that's the older generation. The younger generation says this, truth is not discovered, truth is actually created. It's actually created. So there is then, in effect, no a truth, there's no truth to live. Like If you want to do it, if it seems right for you, then you can do it. You can create your own truth. This is dangerous, everybody. Let, let me go even more. I'm, I'm, trying to, I'm trying to help us all get on this common ground, this, this, this place where we all agree there's an issue in our nation. Let, let me show you this one. This is incredible. There was a poll that was done in which, in which two groups of people were polled and very large groups of people. In fact, one of them was the Boy Scouts of America. And the question in this poll was, where does truth come from? Where does truth come from? Out of all of the Boy Scouts of America who answered this, 84% of them said, truth comes from me. 
I create truth. You're like, oh, that's an issue. Yeah, that's an issue. Now, you say, well, well, of course, Christian teenagers have it more together, right? Well, the second group that they, that they polled was Christian teenagers. And the same question, where does truth come from? Out of the Christian teenagers, 81% said me. 3% difference. Something is wrong in America. Something is wrong in our churches. Something is wrong with our parenting. Something is wrong in families. When Christian teenagers primarily hold to, except for 3% difference, hold to the views of culture. Do you see the problem, everybody? And you say, well, what, what's the big difference? I, I, don't, I, I don't understand what, what's wrong with us creating truth. I'll tell you what's wrong with it. You don't actually believe it. And neither do they. They're using it as, as an excuse. Let, let me tell you what I mean. Because if, if all these people say, well, truth comes from me, I can, tr- I can create truth. Truth is whatever I want it to be. And you, you say, well, I don't see an issue with that. Well, I'll, I'll show you the issue. So I think murder is fine. Well, pastor, that's wrong. Well, you just said I can create my own truth. What if, what, if, what if it's wrong for you, but it's right for me? And all of us in this room and watching online, we would all say, no, murder is wrong. Then apparently you don't really believe that you can create your own truth. Stealing is wrong. Yeah, I fully agree with that. Well, that apparently... You actually don't believe that you can create your own truth. You, you want to create your own excuses for your bad behavior. You, you, want to create, you, you want to create a world in which you live, that you live by whatever feels good, do it. But at the same point, you know that there are some things that just cross the line. You know that in, in your heart. And, and this generation knows that if you go to any teenager and say, hey, is, is murder wrong? Well, 99.9% of the time, they're going to say, yeah, murder is wrong. Well, wait, wait a second. Isn't that, everybody, isn't that contradictory to I can create my own truth? It contra- isn't that, let me go a little bit further, isn't that hypocritical? And we would all, as with our thinking caps on, we would all say, yeah, that's hypocritical. So how did we get there? How do we get there? And what is truth? Let, let, me, let me go to your sermon notes now. I want, I want you to um, write this down, that your worldview, and that's what we're going to be talking about. We're going to be talking about truth. We're going to be talking about your worldview over the next um, multiple weeks, that your worldview is what you believe to be true about the world. It's how you view the world. So your worldview what I believe to be true about the world. And I'm going to tell you what we're going to do over the next multiple weeks. I'm going to give you to the best of my ability by the grace and the power of God and his spirit to to help you embrace, I'm going to help you embrace a biblical worldview. Now, when you reject a biblical worldview, if you reject it at the end of the series, then you're actually rejecting the Bible. Because it is a biblical worldview. Let me say it a different way. It's a, it's a view that's based on truth, which is the word of God. I'm going to help you with that. 
and I want you to embrace it. So I'm, I'm telling you where, I, where I'm, I'm going to be taking you and where I want you to go. But in the end, it's your choice. As we say it around here, I've said this for years, that your response to this is your responsibility. I can't help you choose truth. I can't help you choose the word of God or a biblical worldview that ultimately it's your choice. So when you reject a biblical worldview, you're rejecting the Bible. And when when you reject the Bible, you're rejecting truth. And when you're rejecting truth, you're actually rejecting freedom. So, so what this is going to cost you, if you, if you reject a biblical worldview, what this is ultimately going to cost you is freedom and life, to be honest with you. And I, I would suggest this, too, from, from the very get-go. That, in fact, let me read you some scriptures here where I, where I get these points from. Well, first of all, uh, um, the obvious one is if you're rejecting truth, you're rejecting freedom. The, the Bible says, John 8, 32 says, you will know the truth and the truth will what? It, it's going to set you, it's going to set you free, that there's freedom there. There's freedom in truth. And if you reject the Bible, you're rejecting truth. And if you're rejecting truth, you're rejecting freedom. But that's not all. You're not only rejecting freedom, but you're actually rejecting life. Watch what it says in James 1.18. That he chose, meaning God chose to give us birth through, what's this? The word of truth. And what he's talking about there is spiritual birth. He's talking about the, the fact that you can come to the knowledge of truth. You can come to Jesus, repent of your sins, put your faith and your trust in Jesus, and you are saved. You are a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. You have experienced life in Christ. So if you reject the word of God, you're rejecting the truth of God. You're also rejecting the life of God, which is found only in Christ Jesus. After all, he is the way, the only way. He is the truth and he is the He's the life. Everybody see this. Everybody see this. So you're not just rejecting freedom, but you're actually rejecting life. You know what else you're rejecting? You're rejecting a life of holiness and integrity and sanctification is what we would call it it theologically. Because the Bible says, John 17 says, sanctify them or make them holy or make them people of integrity by the truth. And he goes on to say, and your word is truth. So if you reject the truth, you're rejecting holiness. You're, you're, you're rejecting right standing with God and the sanctification of the Holy Spirit in our lives that produces integrity. You're rejecting that. And not only that, let's go a little bit further. You're rejecting the very approval of God. Well, what do you mean? Well, 2 Timothy 2.15 says, Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved. As one approved. A worker who does not need to be ashamed and who correctly handles the word of truth. Did you know that studying and embracing the word of God actually puts God's seal of approval on your life? Oh, I approve of him. He loves my word. I approve of her. She loves my word. She's embracing my word. He's embracing my word. And God smiles at that. Why? Because there's sanctification in it. There's life in it. There's freedom in it. There is power in it. Your best life is embracing the word of God. It's a biblical worldview. That everything that you think 
flows through the filter of God's word. That your view on the war right now flows through the filter of God's word. That your view of culture, that your view of your neighbors, your view of the people you work with, the issues that they have in your life, your own life, your own marriage, your your own family, that all of it flows through the word of God. It's filtered through the word of God. And it gives you a clear picture of what is healthy and what is not healthy. What's true and what's not true. Biblical worldview. You need it. You won't survive without it. You won't live a life of approval by God without it. You won't embrace sanctification or holiness without it. You won't embrace life without it. You won't embrace freedom without it. I'm telling you, everybody, you need a biblical worldview. And a biblical worldview will contradict what culture is trying to shove down your throat. Are are you with me? Everybody, you're thinking, right? You have your thinking caps on? Okay. So here's what we have to do. Write these things down. Concerning my worldview then... If it's flawless, I've got to embrace it. If it's flawless, I have to embrace it. Meaning this, everybody, if, if, you, if you are saying, you know, I fully believe in the word of God and everything that I do and think and say, it's filtered through the word of God. Everything I believe to be true about the world and true about my situation and my friends, I'm going to filter that through the word of God. Can I tell you something? God, his approval, his approval is on that. He's proud of you. And let, let me go a little bit further. Uh, I won't do that. That'll be a little rabbit trail. I'll come back to that next week. So if it's flawless, you've got to embrace it. If it is faulty, if it's faulty, you've got to correct it. Because some of you have a worldview. I'm just going to say it right, right here, very, very plainly. Some of you in this room listening online, You have a worldview that you love Jesus, you believe in Jesus, but you don't believe in all of his word. Meaning this, you say, well, I believe the Bible, but when it comes to things that's happening in culture right now, you would put your seal of approval on what God says is sinful. You can't do that. If you embrace part of the word of God, you have to embrace all of the word of God or else you are a hypocrite. And nobody likes hypocrites, not even you. You don't like it when people are hypocritical. And yet I do know people who say, well, I believe in Jesus, but I don't believe that. And then they'll fill in the blank about what's happening in culture, what other people are. And I just don't see the problem with it. I don't really understand it. Well, I'm going to help you out with that during this series. But I want to tell you, if you believe part of the word of God, you have to believe all of the word of God. Let me say it a different way. It's either all true or none of it's true. So if it's faulty, you need to correct it. And if it's false, you've got to destroy it. If it's false, if you have a faulty faulty worldview, correct it. If you have a false worldview, you need to destroy it and embrace one that's true. Embrace one that is flawless. So you say, well, how, how, how do I know? Well, what, what is truth then? I mean, what, what is true? Let me show you this in scripture that, that this, you're not the only one to think that. You're not the only one to have that conversation. It's found in the book of John, verse 18, 33. 
Pilate then went back inside the palace, summoned Jesus, and asked him. So this is at the very end of Jesus' life. He's about to head to the cross. He's about to be determined as being guilty, even though he is guiltless. And so he's being judged right now, and he's standing in front of Pilate. And Pilate asks him, are you the king of the Jews? Verse 34. Is that your own idea, Jesus asked, or did others talk to you about me? Am I a Jew? Pilate replied. Your own people and chief priests handed you over to me. What is it you have done? And Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world. If it were, my servants would fight to prevent my arrest by the Jewish leaders. But now my kingdom is from another place. Oh, you are a king then, said Pilate. And Jesus answered, you say that I am a king. In fact, the reason I was born and came into the world is to testify to the truth. So if you embrace Jesus, you are also embracing who he is, not just who he was, but who he is, and his word that tells us all about him. Because everything in the Bible points to Jesus. The Bible is about Jesus. I'm telling you. Well, I thought the Bible was about me. The Bible is about Jesus and how he affects your life. But trust me, he is the center. He is the focal point of the word of God because he is the truth. He is the living word, by the way, everybody. So he says, let's go back a little bit. You say that I'm king. In fact, the reason I was born and came into the world is to testify to the truth. Everyone on the side of truth listens to me. And Pilate kind of retorted here, well, what is truth? So Jesus is having this incredible exchange with Pilate. He says, hey, hey, listen, Pilate, everyone on the side of truth, they're on my side. But everyone who isn't on my side, they're not part of the truth. They don't like the truth. They don't want the truth. In fact, they have rejected the truth because you cannot embrace Jesus without embracing truth. It's impossible. And if you embrace Jesus because he's true, then you have to embrace all of his word because his word is true. He is the living word. So what's truth? What is truth? Here are some truths about truth. The first one, truth is not, you might want to underline that, truth is not relative. It, it, meaning it doesn't, truth does not vary from person to person. As we were already saying when we gave these, well, well I create my own truth. What's true for me might not be true for you. That in today's, if you want to listen to a, a theological term, a doctrinal term, we call that relativism. That, that truth is relative. But truth is not relative. It does not vary from person to person. In fact, I give you a great example of this. And hopefully when you read this, you're like, yeah, that doesn't make sense at all. But, but if it doesn't make sense, why are people embracing it? And this is it, everybody. For example, the universal life church has only one belief. And here's their one belief. We believe in that which is right. And you're just like, that sounds great. Yeah, it does sound great. But keep reading. We believe in that which is right and in every person's right 
to interpret what is right. So their very one foundational, fundamental statement is hypocritical. We believe in that which is right and that you can actually interpret what is right, even if it's different from me. Your truth is your truth and my truth is my truth. So here they are. Think about this, everybody. Think about the hypocrisy in this, the, 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 the contradictory nature of this statement that we believe in what is true. We believe in what is right. And whatever is right is whatever you interpret to be right. So you know what they're really saying? We believe in you and your truth no matter what it is. And if, if you love that idea, you can be a part of us. Everybody, I, I want to tell you, this breaks the heart of God. And it should break yours. Because it's a lie. And no person can look at that in their right mind, ob objectively. Nobody can look at that and say, oh yeah, that makes sense. No, we all know it doesn't make sense. So when we talk about these things, I just want you to put murder in its place. Well, I believe murder is right. Oh, well, we, then they would say, well, we believe that's right. Oh, so you're endorsing murder. Oh, no, we, we, don't, we don't endorse murder because they wouldn't. If you go to the leader of the, of the Universal Life Church and you would say to them, do you embrace murder? Do you think murder is right? They would say, no. Okay, well, how do you believe a statement then that's contradictory to what you just said? Am I getting through everybody? It doesn't make sense, does it? It doesn't make sense. But the devil is so deceiving he deceives people and he teaches people these type of statements and he convinces them that it makes sense, but it doesn't. Truth is not relative. Relativism, not true. Second thing, truth is not consensual. Consensual means that there, there's a consensus behind it. So truth is not consensual. It isn't changed by a majority vote. Well, okay, well, what if, what if all of us in this room, if 51% if, if of us are like, well, it has to be two-thirds, so 67% of us say murder is okay. How many know truth is not consensual? But there, but there is a train of thought that says if the vast majority weighs in and they all believe that something is true, then it is True, it is founded in relativism, and it is the notion that truth is established when agreed upon by the majority and is being embraced in societies around the world. Like right now, we're seeing it around the world. Moreover, if one rejects their truth, he or she is deemed to be intolerant. How many now can see that in our very own nation? See, right now, this nation is trying to embrace consensual truth. Come on, everybody, hang with me here. They're trying to embrace consensual truth. That if it feels good, you can do it. That if it makes sense to you, you can do it. And by the way, if you don't believe that way, you're intolerant. You're a bigot. 
Like, you can believe anything you want to believe as long as you don't disagree with me. And that, my friends, is happening now in our nation. It's happening now. Truth is not consensual. Truth is not situational. So, so relative means changes from person to person. Situational means the circumstances do not change it. The circumstances don't change it. Let's say it like this, that concerning this belief system, situational truth, Concerning this belief system, truth doesn't change only from person to person, but from situation to situation. For instance, many people think lying is wrong, unless, given the circumstance, I deem it to be right. And, and you would think, well, that doesn't actually make sense. But I, I watched an interview, and I wish I, I could have downloaded the clip. I couldn't do it. I couldn't figure out how to do it. But they were interviewing some, some um, uh, TV uh, journalists, we're interviewing a group of junior high schoolmates, classmates, and they, they said, they asked them in this room, how many of you believe that cheating is wrong? And all of them, like, raised their hand. Okay. Well, how many of you have ever cheated? All of them raised their hands. And, and then they asked them, well, if you say it's wrong, but then all of you have done it, why have you done that? And they start interviewing these individual kids, and they're like, well, I think cheating is wrong, but not, when if, I, not if I don't know the answer. Or, but, but, but not if I'm failing, because if I'm failing, I need to raise my grade. So cheating is okay as long as I get a C. And some of them even said, well, yeah, I think cheating is fine as long as you don't steal every answer. Just enough to make you pass the class. I wish I could have shown you this. It, and, it was in, and in it, you're like, no way. No way, that doesn't make sense. And yet in their mind, it's situational truth. I believe it to be wrong unless it benefits me in that situation. And then it's right. You're like, that doesn't make sense. You're right. It doesn't if you embrace truth. But if you don't embrace truth, then that makes all the sense in the world. So truth is not relative. Truth is not consensual. Truth is not situational. Truth is, you might want to circle that word, is absolute. It's absolute. Let me say it a different way. That truth is consistent with the will and the nature of God. That truth is consistent with the will and the nature of God. It is, everybody, fidelity to an original or to a standard. That's the way that Webster defines it. It is fidelity. Fidelity, fidelity is the same as or equal to. It is fidelity. It is the same as or equal to the original. The same as and equal to the original. The absolute standard by which reality is measured. Truth is the same as and equal to the original. It is the absolute standard by which reality is measured. So if there isn't an outside force in which to measure truth, how do you measure truth? Okay, 
so if let, let me let me say it a, a different way. If I am if 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 I am building a building, if I'm building a, a house, and, and you're putting up walls, and many of you have heard this, maybe not all, but many of you have heard this. If you're building a house and you're putting up a wall and you're checking to see if it's level or not, some somebody would say not only maybe it, hey is it level, but sometimes in fact I've heard this myself. They would say, is it true? Is that true? What, what are they looking at? They're comparing the, 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 the and this is, this, things have changed now. But I remember growing up, my dad, uh, he built a church in Medford, Oklahoma. He actually, you know, all the volunteers came and we built this, we built this building. And, you know, you're leveling the walls, you're making sure. And, and back in those days, um, and maybe it was just because we didn't have much money, I don't know. But we actually used a plumb line. Anybody remember what a plumb line is? Like that's, you don't see those much anymore, but it's this weight that's attached to a string. And if you hold it, because it's weighted at the bottom, it is perfectly straight. And so when we're checking that wall, we're asking, is it true? Is it the same as or equal to the original? What we know to be true, the plumb line. Can I tell you something? That God is the plumb line. He's meant to be the plumb line of our lives. That everything that we, that we think and say and do goes through the filter of who is true, which is God, and what is true, anything that comes from God. Because truth is consistent to his will and to his nature. It's consistent to his will and to his nature. So we look at something and say, is it true? Well, if you don't have an outside source, you don't know if it's true or not. See, you can't put up a wall unless you have a, that's level, unless you have a plumb line, unless you have a level. So in that case, the level is the outside source in which to compare what you're trying to do. And God is that whom you compare your life with to see if you're living what is true, what is right, what's pure. And, and it doesn't change. It doesn't change. Let me give you just a, a couple of, ex, of scriptures to prove this point. Jesus, of course, said he is the way and the truth and the life. And he also said, John 10, he says, me and the Father, the Heavenly Father, the Godhead, the, the Yahweh, we're one. We're one. Jesus is saying, listen, everybody, Jesus is saying, me and God, we're one. I am the same as and equal to the Father. I am Emmanuel, God with us. Now are you getting it? I am the same as an equal. So when he's making that statement, he's making a statement where all of the Jewish leaders know, oh, you just said you were God. And Jesus says, yes, I am God with us. I am Emmanuel. I am the very son of God. And when you look at me, you're seeing God the Father. But the Bible says, John 1 says that grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Ephesians 4.21, when you heard about Christ and were taught in him with accordance 
in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. 1 John 5, 6. This is the one who came by water and blood, Jesus Christ. Watch this, everybody. Because you think it's just the Father and it's just the Son. Well, they're true. Watch this in, in 1 John 5, 6. This is the one who came by water and blood, Jesus Christ. And it is the Spirit of God who testifies because the Spirit is the truth. So it's not just God, and it's not just Jesus. It's God, our Heavenly Father, and Jesus, His Son, and precious Holy Spirit. The three in one, all true. Isn't that amazing? So any view that opposes God and His Son and His Spirit must be, if they are true, must be a lie. And so we wrap everything in our lives around and we build, we build everything in our lives upon this foundation. That God is true. Jesus is true. The Spirit of God is true. And everything that happens in my life needs to flow through the filter of truth and if you live your life like that you won't believe a lie you won't believe a lie I don't know about you but I I don't want my life to live I, I don't want to live out lies in my life I don't want to live that way I want to live my best life and my best life is embracing truth and this is just the foundation of where we're going. I, I mean, we haven't even gotten into the great, I mean, the fun stuff yet. We haven't gotten there yet. And, and I'm going to talk about some things over the next few weeks that I have to talk about that they're happening in culture. And you're going to understand what God's view of that is, as well as if, if your view embraces God's view or embraces truth, or if you've been believing a lie. And we're just going to let the word of God speak to it. And I'm going to tell you why those things are lies. And how can you be sure? How can you be sure? It's going to be powerful. Stand up with me. I want to do something a little bit different today, everybody. That um, as we as we begin this series, um, I, I, want, I want to say two things. I want to say two things. As we begin this series, what we're going to pray today is that all of us, this is just a mass altar call. Just, just wherever you are, even if you're at home, it's just an altar call that says, today, I'm going to repent of believing some lies that I believed. And in my repentance, I'm going to build my life upon the truth, the truth of God's word. And I'm going to reject any falsehood that I've been embracing because I don't want to get this wrong. And I'm going to fully embrace truth. And in doing that, in doing that, in doing that, you're going to embrace all of the Word of God and not just the ones that come easy for you to embrace. Oh, there's an easy way to get to heaven? Jesus, all I have to do is pray a prayer and I'm in. Everybody? Can I tell you something? That's not truly passionately devoted followers of Jesus thinking right there. As passionate devoted followers of Christ, 
We are fully embracing his word and surrendering our lives to it. Could I, could I tell you something? There's some growth that needs to occur in this room. Let, let me give you an example of this. Let me tell you how truth affects your life. If you truly believe in the word of God and you have embraced the word of God, then your worship should be absolutely passionate. This morning, as I was praying and, and worshiping, I, I usually stand over in this area right here. And my heart was breaking. And I was praying, Father, break out. Just may a spirit of praise and worship that is authentic break out in this place. Because as I'm looking around, there's just a There's just lack of engagement sometimes. And I wonder why. And it must be that you don't know the truth like you should. I'm not saying you're not a Christian. I'm just saying you don't know the truth like you should because the Word of God addresses that. There are ways that we worship. And it is expression and praise. And it is intimate worship. And it is clapping and it's hand raised and it's kneeling and it's singing and it's shouting and it's so much more. It's engaging with the Lord and honoring him. And that was just proof to me that we need this, that we need this. Because the word of God, the truth of God teaches us how to worship. But if you're not worshiping accordingly, then you haven't embraced the fullness of his word. Are you getting what I'm saying now? You haven't embraced the fullness of it. If you're not living it out, you haven't embraced the fullness of it. Well, I want to embrace the fullness of it in every aspect of my life. I want to live it out. And when I do, God's approval is upon my life. He puts a seal of approval on my life. So, Father, help us. Help us. New song, if you want to fully embrace the word of, of the Lord and, and you want to, maybe you don't even know if you're believing a lie right now or not. But you, the one thing you do know is that you want to embrace truth and you want to surrender to the truth of who God is and his word. I want you to open up your hands toward heaven just as an act of repentance and as an act of surrender. And I want you to pray with me. We surrender, oh God, to the truth. Forgive us for believing lies. For, forgive us for believing things that are contrary to your word. We don't want to live that type of life. We don't want to do anything in, in, in that, that is contradictory to your word or to who you are, to your will and to your nature. Father, we don't want to reject who you are. We want to embrace who you are. We want to embrace the truth. We want to embrace your word. We want to embrace life. We want to embrace sanctification and holiness and integrity. We want to embrace freedom. We want to embrace all that you have for us. So, Father, we reject the lies of this culture. 
culture. We reject the lies of this world. We reject the things that have kept us down from believing who you are and what you say. Father, we put those things behind us and we face you and we surrender and we acknowledge and we worship you for who you are. You are God above all else, above all others. You are creator. You are Lord. You are Father. You are Savior. You are Holy Spirit. And you deserve our hearts. You deserve worship. You deserve our praise. You deserve lives of surrender. And that's what we give you today. And we do it with all of our hearts. And we do it with all of our strength and all of our mind. We love you with everything that we have. And we surrender to you wholeheartedly. Come on, new song. Let's just lift up our hands to the Lord and bless him this morning. We bless you, Father, for being the God of truth. We bless you for sharing your truth with us. We bless you for sending your son. We worship you that he was a living example for us. We thank you that your spirit is guiding us into all truth. We thank you that you're trustworthy, that you never let us down, that that you never keep us down, Father, that you want to free us in this life and help us to live the best life that we could ever live in Christ Jesus. So we honor you, Father. We honor you, Jesus. We honor you, Holy Spirit, and bless you with all of our hearts, with all of our souls. We praise you with all that's within us. We bless your name. We bless your name. We bless your name. We worship you. We worship you. We worship you. As a church, it's our honor to play a small part in what God is doing through your life, and we would love to continue on that journey. To find out what your next steps could be in your relationship with Christ, all you have to do is go to mynsc.org connect. Thank you to all of you who consistently give, serve, and pray. You are the ones that God is using to truly make a difference in our community as we live out our mission of leading people to become fully devoted followers of Christ. We hope you tune in next week.